Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I'm the host, Jeremy Jackson, but I'm joined by Paul Calloway and Jake Stiefel. Jake has been working with uh, ice machines and ice machine repair related services for close to, I think you said 20 years. Uh, yeah, so for about 20 years. And Paul, obviously with MyoGuard, uh, does a lot. He's the one that connected me and Jake. And so we're taking your ice machine questions or tips or horror stories and working them into <laughs> the story about how we can help take care of our ice machine. So uh, one of the first stories is from David Silverstein. He said his ice, his maintenance is usually done by the maintenance department. Mm -hmm. And they came in unannounced basically and replaced or did maintenance on both of the ice machines at the same time, which required them to empty the machines and so then he didn't have any sort of preparation or any storeroom. So David, I know that's a story that you're not alone in, that sometimes those those machines are, are serviced at a, at a poor time, like right before a tournament or you know, right before the first day of practice, that kind of thing. So um, I don't think there's anything we can do to help prevent that, but um, we'll see, see what Jake and Paul have to say as far as servicing ice machines. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ice machine again sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ice machine paul jake welcome thank you thanks Jerry. um yeah no actually uh, that that's a that's a great story to start out with um that's actually usually why people run two ice machines um because that way you can actually have one of them running while one is getting maintenance work done um usually most people who actually do the uh the maintenance on ice machines are kind of supposed to know that um so <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's, that's the kind of stuff we run into all the time. And it's, it's interesting. Ice is one of those things where you really don't notice it until it's not there. Um, a lot of people, you know, don't think about ice. Um, I mean, it's crazy when you really go out and about and look and see where ice machines are in, you know, every gas station, every restaurant, every hospital, every, um, you know, athletic center, uh, all over the place. Um, I, ice is basically, um, obviously really, really important in sports medicine. Um, uh, so yeah, basically I, uh, like you said, I've been, I've been doing ice machines uh, and working with uh, MyoGuard for, I think actually it was closer to around seven years. I've, uh, we actually primarily do, um, food service equipment, um, athletic, uh, training is kind of, a, a newer thing for us. Uh, once we kind of branched into ice machine distribution. So, um, that's been an interesting learning curve and a different angle of, um, ice machines than we normally would approach. Um, but, uh, basically, yeah, that is, um, kind of what we do. Um, we've been working with MyGuard, I think, for five, six years now, mm -hmm. uh, somewhere around there. And uh, yeah. so um, that's basically uh, a couple of things uh, to touch on is, um, you know, primarily, I mean, most people are using ice for uh, for compression and, and injuries, I would imagine, correct? Uh, that's primarily the, the usage. Um, well, he, um, okay, go ahead. That'll lead us into Michelle's, Michelle Crosby said, that basically her number one tip is stop using ice, right? And so that's kind of a big debate in athletic training world is don't use ice for injuries, which, you know, if you choose to go that way, cool. If you choose to not go that way, cool, right? Yeah. But um, so she said that, you know, our coaches do most of the water filling where, the, where they fill up the ice baths or they fill up the, the water coolers for the teams and that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> and so that's definitely one of the big things is, Realistically, here at Pasadena, we use ice to fill up the water coolers, to um, ice down drinks for the hospitality room, <clears throat> hospitality room or concession stand. But when you don't have it, 
So we have a varsity football game Friday night. So then we have band and cheer and then football, you know, everybody's wanting to come in and get ice. And then while well, it's really hot outside, it's, you know, 90 degrees still here in Houston, that kind of thing. So that's going to be the primary uses for the, for the heat, not necessarily for the treatment, in the athletic tra- training room okay. here, but some people still use it a lot for ice or for like the game readies or that type of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I, I did a little bit of preemptive research and in, in preparation for it, and I saw that the uh, the science is definitely not out on using ice on injuries. It seems like it's kind of a hotly contested issue. Um, I mean, for for most people who aren't involved with the uh, you know the athletic training uh, aspect of it, uh, a lot of us still have that con- conception that ice is used primarily for injuries. Um, so yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, the Definitely um, one of the things uh, that uh, are you familiar with the different types of ice and different applications? And I mean, if you're using them for, for beverages, then you kind of open up, you know, a lot of different options for ice, um, like styles, like nugget style ice, uh, cubes, um, uh, things like that. Um, if you're using them for, you know, if somebody's still using them for injuries, then there's certain types of ice that are a little bit better than others because of the uh, surface area that they kind of tackle. So um, All right, so best ice for coolers, for water coolers, for drinks. Water coolers for drinks, probably if you, it depends on really what it is. If it's just straight water, I would suggest probably nugget ice. Um, it basically keeps the temperature uniform throughout. It kind of creates almost like a slush, if you want to call it that. I don't know if you're familiar with Sonic, um, the Sonic slushies that they have there. Um, the, the ice machine company that I rep is Scotsman. Um, and they are the original creators of the, uh, the nugget ice that Sonic used in there. So people still call it the Sonic ice. Um, that's probably the number one most requested for, for beverage. And also it's probably my number one recommendation if somebody's still using ice for treating injuries and swelling and stuff like that, because it just has that surface area. It's, it's soft and malleable, but it's not like a flake ice, kind of like you see it like a fish market or something like that. If you mix that with water, that just pretty much melts, uh, almost instantly. So um, nugget ice is something I definitely recommend. Um, and then kind of what you touched on before maintenance is a huge thing. A lot of people don't really have their machines on, on scheduled maintenance cycles, usually about every six months. It really depends on where you live in the country. Um, if you have a place with pretty bad water, it's usually sometimes even more than that. Um, depends on the size and depends on the usage. Um, one of the big benefits, and I don't think a lot of people are aware of, uh, for using nugget ice, and this is universal across pretty much all the major brands, um, cube ice drops in batches. And usually the machine has some time where it needs to recover, um, and kind of cool back down and then kind of make another batch. So if you're using a lot in a short amount of time, which I'm assuming usually happens a lot in sports medicine and uh, athletics, um, nugget ice can sometimes be more useful because once the ice goes down a certain level in the bin, it just continuously runs and keeps making ice until it fills back up and it doesn't need to slow down and make batches. So um, that's another really huge benefit for nugget ice. Um, I know with MyoGuard, we traditionally uh, put a lot of water cooled units. Uh, Cooling is another thing. Um, If you're in, you know, a pretty small uh, training room or something like that, and you have an air cooled ice machine, it has to take that heat that it's kind of taking out of the water and put it somewhere. And if it's an air-cooled unit, it'll put it into the room that you're in, uh, which is why typically for like in on the food service side of things that we do, we recommend water cool. And also for the athletic applications, we recommend water cool because it's not kicking heat into the room. Um, water cool usually is a little bit more expensive to run, 
um, because you're going to be using more water. But basically what that does is it, it cools the system with a, a water coil rather than kicking the heat into the, uh, the room, which keeps the whole entire room a lot cooler um, and usually actually has a higher production rate as well. Um, it's, it's just more efficient for making ice. It does cost a little bit more to run, but those are usually typically what we recommend for uh, athletic applications for sure. So that also that, keeps the uh, noise down. Oh yeah. Running That's an air machine is a lot louder than a water cool machine. This is true. Very true. So on that note, we had, um, we have a, a big ice machine that was in a room you know, it was a, it was an okay size room, but it's a big ice machine mm. and we would close the door at the end of the day to, to keep people out of there. Well, it kept shutting off the machine because mm. the room was getting too hot. And so we had, they put in like an air conditioner, but we ended up just having to leave the door open, let the air conditioner run so that the ice machine wasn't overheating. It could continue to cycle and fill. And then, you know, it's been, it's been able to keep up a lot better since then. Yeah. Right? And so that's, that's a great tip. And as we're sitting here right now recording the podcast, you may hear the ice machine cyclone and, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's noisy and it's warm. And so yep. it's a, another reason that for a little while we moved it out of this room. And then, and while we were transitioning rooms, you know, we moved it back in because it's most convenient for everybody. But the water cool, you said, is, is more expensive because of the cost of running or it's more expensive to buy as well? Um, typically, yes, it depends. Most of the time it is slightly more expensive and it is more expensive to run because it'll be using more water. That's really what it comes down to. So if you're in like an area of the country where, you know, water is kind of a premium, which I guess over on the West coast, there's some of that going on right now. Um, then it'll probably cause your, um, your utility bill to run up a little bit. Um, but you know, if, if you're also in an area like in Houston, where it's a lot hotter, I'm up in Michigan, so it's a lot, you know, cooler up here for most of the year than it is down in Houston um then water cool usually is is um preferable because um even the ambient temperature like you said when it gets too hot around the ice machine not only will it eventually shut off if it's too hot but the production actually does go down because that machine has to work uh harder to cool the ice down um just because of the ambient air temperature and also the water temperature as well um i think typically if you go I think if you deviate around 20 degrees outside of the, uh, the ideal testing conditions, the ice machine, you can lose as much as like 15 to 20% production. Um, so, so heat is a big factor. Um, Jake, does that shorten the lifespan of the air cooled machine if it's running harder? Yes, that does as well. Um, it can, it can make the components kind of deteriorate more quickly. Um, you know, if everything's running on full blast all the time, that's, uh, typically what you see. And I don't know if you ever, if you ever go to like, uh, a, a place where they have an ice machine outdoors, it usually is replaced a lot more often than something that's indoors in a controlled environment, just because of the nature of how the machine works. Um, so that's, that's a, a big factor in the longevity of machines as well. Um, most of the time, um, most actually, that's the other thing too, is most manufacturers will, uh, have a warranty. Usually I think the industry standard on most commercial machines around like five years. Um, if you're in an area where it's it's overly hot or the, just the uh, the conditions aren't within the parameters set by manufacturers, sometimes that warranty is even voided. Um, it really just depends on on how it's set up. But most installers are pretty aware of you know the 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 um, checklist to make sure that you're running it in a prime or proper environment. So, uh, but yeah. So. All right. I got a comment from Joe Messenger. It says annual maintenance is a must depending on uh, on your water. So here in El Paso, it's hard mineral water. Uh, mm -hmm. So seven years is the life, life expectancy of an ice machine. You got to change your filters at least every six months. Yep. Uh, more if the water lines are broken or whenever there's a mandatory 
boil drinking water. Um, and they, so they got a Scotsman nugget ice machine mm-hmm. and it lasted exactly seven years before both of them died. Gearbox, uh, getting water and burnt, getting, getting with gearboxes, getting water and burning out. Uh, and, then, and then COVID hit. And so it was really hard to get the, uh, parts because oh, yeah. it was impossible from COVID. Paul and I were just talking about that. And so, um, that's, that's kind of the situation there. So let's talk about filtration. Um, is there a specific type of filter you should have for your waters? How often you change it? Was that six months? Correct. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, pretty much everything he touched on uh, in that comment is, is correct. Um, the, the six months is definitely a must depend, depending on the water quality, which varies from not even just state to state, but County to County. Um, you know, I think on, on the West side up here in Michigan, there's very, very hard water. And also on the East side, not so much in the center. Um, you, some, you sometimes have people replacing filters every three months, really a lot of it is the proper sizing. Um, so, you know, you'll find somebody who puts an inline filter on a thousand pound ice machine and it just doesn't have the capacity to actually, you know, take the, and sometimes it'll even restrict the water flow. So really it's about proper sizing. Most manufacturers are pretty good at recommending a, a proper filter. Um, and actually uh, another thing too, if, I don't know if you've seen, um, filtration systems out there where they'll have, you know, not just one cartridge, but maybe three lined up every single one of those cartridges is exactly the same. And as that filter gets clogged up, it just switches to the next one in succession. So it's not exactly all three filters working at the same time. It'll be one of them. And then once that fills up, then the next, and then the next. Um, so that just kind of makes it. So even if you're doing that type of production every six months or so is still on your maintenance schedule. Um, pretty much any time that ice machine gets cleaned, at least once a year, what he's, like he said, but usually it's recommended to do it every six months when you've changed your filter. Um, another thing that uh, constantly happens as well with the, the filtration aspect of it is a lot of times if there's uh, work being done on the water system of the actual building, um, if somebody shuts the water off and then shuts it on and the filter isn't closed off from the water line, it'll take a lot of the mineral buildup and clog that filter up. Uh, so it's usually advisable to kind of like cut out or change the filter anytime there's work being done on the actual water system in the building as well. Um, so yeah, but cleaning and filtration is definitely the number one most important. Some ice machines will work even with RO water. Uh, I don't know, probably not too many people are running RO water into their ice machines. Um, typically, a lot of the sensors that are in ice machines need a little bit of conductivity in the water. So really the, the optimal filters, or it depends on really where you are, but if you have a lot of sediment, um, a sediment pre-filter is always good uh, before you actually get to your main. Uh, scale reduction is really the most important aspect because, uh, you know, a lot of people, oh, I didn't know I needed to filter that, but water is full of minerals. And you know, whenever you change the temperature uh, with water, whether you're boiling or, or freezing or anything like that, those minerals get left behind, um, which usually can result in bad taste, lower performance, um, all sorts of problems um, will run. You'll run into if you aren't properly filtering and, and maintaining the machines. All right. So if looking at the ice machine, you know we're talking about the air cooled machine that we have here. Uh, there's like a like a screen um, air filter. Air filter. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I know we talked about the inline water filters, those type of things, but talk about the the air filter for the air cooled machines. Yeah. So, um, certain manufacturers, I mean, like I said, I, I, uh, I distribute Scotsman, uh, they have actual removable filters that are able to be cleaned. So at the same time that the maintenance is happening with the machine, um, most of them, you can just slide right out. They're usually just in a track system and then you can just spray them off, uh, clean them. Uh, you can even use just dish soap and water. 
Um, but that's also very important because if that gets clogged up, it's it's kind of almost the same exact situation as if you're running the machine in way too hot of an environment. Uh, if the air can't properly flow out, um, then you usually end up with components running too too hard, too fast, and too long, and then you'll eventually get uh, you know some issues there. Um, not every single, I think almost every single manufacturer, major ones now, um, does the removable, uh, reusable filter. So you don't have to constantly switch out the air filter. I know the industry standard probably before I was involved in the industry was that they were used to be, um, disposable where you just throw them away and have to keep buying them. Um, I think a lot of people have moved away from that. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the air filtration is, is big. There's also certain kits. If you have a tight space, um, I know a lot of manufacturers do this too, where some of them will have ventilation on the front. Some of them will have it on the side of the machine. Um, some manufacturers offer options like optional kits that you can get where you can redirect that air out of the side. If you're in a, you know, kind of a tight space, but, uh, proper, uh, ventilation is definitely an important, uh, aspect in keeping that machine uh, running at optimal levels for sure. All right. So you talked about emptying the machine, cleaning it every six months when you're changing the filter. So you, so you want to change the air filters, change the water filter at least every six months. Mm -hmm. um, so give me a little bit of tips for emptying and then cleaning. Um, are we just cleaning the bin or is there something we're doing like removing the cover cleaning as well? Yeah. So um, a lot of the times um, you'll want to be using like a scale remover uh, and cleaner. And a lot of manufacturers, I know Scotsman specifically has uh, steps on how to do this um, on online, but uh, it really depends on the nature of the machine. So on the, on the cube style machines, which are dropping in batches, there's a lot more steps involved um, than on something like a nugget machine, which is a continuous cycle. Basically it has uh, what's basically like a metal auger in the center of uh, an evaporator drum, which has all of the uh, coolant running through it or the refrigerant running through it. And it basically takes the water and, and brings it up in a spiral to the very top and then pushes it through. Once it gets to like a slushy, um, like a slushy consistency, it'll push it through a, uh, like a breaker, which will actually slice the ice off in small chunks. And um, when you, uh, are doing a cleaning cycle on that. It's basically where you take where the water reservoir, where it actually takes the water in from the uh, from the water connection to the wall. And there's uh, basically a clean setting where you you'll see like kind of a like a latch that you can bring up above uh, the actual point where the auger is. And uh, you basically pour the uh, the mixture of cleaner and scale remover into that, and then let the machine run for about a half hour usually on this on the cleaning cycle. And most of them have like a cleaning cycle button that's somewhere on the board. Usually, manufacturers recommend that uh, somebody who's who's trained to do work on ice machines do it. Um, that's not always the case. I mean, I've I've cleaned a bunch of them, and I'm primarily a salesperson more so than an actual technician. Um, but um, usually it's, it's pretty straightforward. You basically will take, you know, the, uh, the cleaner and stuff like that and run it through the system as if it were water. And then after that, you know, sanitization and flush, um, from there. And then basically, yeah, wiping out the bin. Uh, sometimes there's extra components like, um, like an arm or something like that, or, um, even like a chute or something like that, where the ice will drop into the bin that nice needs to be wiped down and sanitized. Um, scale, scale remover is pretty caustic. Uh, so it's definitely important once the machine is clean to have it sanitized and even then rinse it off, you know, after it's sanitized. Um, but uh, yeah, so otherwise you'll get, you know, kind of bubbles. If you ever see bubbles and stuff in the, in, in the ice, then that means that it wasn't properly flushed and cleaned out once it was, uh, 
once it was cleaned or if it tastes a little bit like sanitizer, which most of the time you want to be using food safe, anything like if it's, if it's food grade, you want to be using it. It's not as important, I guess, if you're only primarily using the ice for, for icing injuries or something like that. Um, but if you are using it for consumption, it's definitely important to use anything food grade. Well, every single ice bag you put on an athlete, they're going to end up like putting a hole in and drinking the cold water out of, which is disgusting because <laughs> it's been sitting on their like sweaty crotch or something. And yeah. <laughs> so Paul, uh, we're going to be cleaning the inside of the, the ice machine. You know, it's empty. What are we, what product would you recommend that we, we're using for cleaning the inside of the ice machine? Well, I think we can buy some of those cleaning, um, products from Jake, he probably mm -hmm. would have the better recommendations on, on those products. Yeah. So, um, scales, let's see, what is it? Scotsman has a scale one, that's their own branded. And then there is the, I think it's ICS three, which is, um, pretty much the industry standard that most all manufacturers recommend. I think that's a new Calgon, new Calgon ICS three is, uh, I'm pretty sure the, uh, the, um, the kind of de facto cleaning solution. And then I think anywhere you can pretty much go on Amazon or any place like that ice machine, ice machine sanitizer is readily available. And there's a lot of manufacturers of that as well. Um, certain manufacturers have certain parameters on what they are okay with using on the machines. And some of them, you know, kind of want to get away. A lot of that stems from the differences in how evaporators are, are, are made. So like, for example, Hoshizaki, which is another really large brand, they do all stainless evaporators. So those are a little more resilient to uh, certain caustic chemicals. Uh, Scotsman does a um, nickel plated um, a nickel plated evaporator, which if it's, it's overly caustic, will actually eat the finish right off of the evaporator. And then that'll cause ice to stick. And an evaporator is a very expensive part to uh, replace on a nice machine. It's kind of like the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. So uh, making sure that uh, you you know you check whichever ice machine you own. Most of the time, they're included with a manual. They'll tell you what cleaners they recommend using. Um, usually, you know, like most brands, it's their own branded cleaner because you know <laughs> that's kind of how it works. But um, for the most part, uh, that I know that the ICS three by New Calgon is is pretty much universally used uh, with maintenance companies. Uh, we work in tandem with a lot of maintenance companies for Service Network in our state, um, so that that's pretty much the gold standard. I think is the ICS three. Gotcha. All right, so we've talked about cleaning. You know, making sure your water filters are clean using Descaler uh, every six months. You're making sure the basically you're shutting it down, emptying, and cleaning it out. Mm -hmm. But so. I, if I walk in and my ice machine is not running or empty, like it won't fill or it won't dump. So tell me some of the tips and tricks that you've seen, you heard, learned, taught people about, uh, as far as dealing with troubleshooting the ice machine to get it working. Right. ASAP. Yeah, definitely. So, um, a couple of things to always check and especially if it's something that's a relatively new installation, uh, an ice machine definitely needs to be at least almost all the way level in order to function properly on, on most of them. Uh, if your machine isn't totally level, like if you got a tile, you know, tile in the room and it's kind of leaning one way or the other, that can really affect, um, really, really affect the, uh, the production rate. Um, another big thing about it would be, uh, I always check the filter. That's my number one thing. If you're not getting any water or anything like that into the machine, a lot of filters will have a gauge that'll show you the PSA. I think PSI on it. I think normally a lot of places are around 60, 60 PSI, but it really depends on your water source and kind of how your plumbing is hooked up. But if you're not seeing any water pressure on the filter gauge, then that usually means your filter is clogged up. Or if you see a ton of pressure on it, that could also indicate it as well, um, or water's not flowing. 
Um, a lot of ice machines, uh, if you can see the actual control board, there's usually a, uh, there's usually, if you take the front panel off on most of them, there's usually like an indicator on the, on the control board that'll give you an error code. Um, I know Scotsman, they have an actual um, chart that'll basically tell you what everything means um, if you do see a number or whatever. Um, but usually a lot of the times it's an installation issue or the filter's clogged. Um, or sometimes my, my personal favorite, this is actually one of the most interesting stories I have. Uh, I was doing a, a service training with one of the Scotsman reps a long time ago, and they had an ice machine down in, I think it was Mexico or it was, it was somewhere in South America, somewhere around there. And, um, it was a very large machine and they couldn't figure out why all the ice was coming out with holes in it. And they tried all sorts of things like replacing parts. Um, there's a couple of even kind of weird things that they tried, um, like to change the machine around. And uh, after about two weeks back and forth, not being able to figure it out, they figured out that somebody connected it to the carbonated water line. <laughs> so it took them about two weeks to figure out that they hooked it up to the wrong water line. <laughs> so they were making soda ice, <laughs> which is interesting. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. The water connection is big. Uh, sometimes uh, somebody can undersize it, but most of the time, if you're getting it done by an installer who knows what they're doing, uh, there shouldn't be too many problems. Um, if the ice machine, obviously, if you, like you said, if it's in a really small room and there's a lot of heat in there, that can be a big indicator of why it might be shut off, um, for the most part as well. Um, but yeah, basically it, it really just depends on what the issue is. If you're not getting any water, usually it's just a filtration or a water connection issue. Um, sometimes, sometimes there's, there's other ways to be able to tell, um, uh, what it is, or if, if your ice machine is making a God awful, like really, really loud screaming noise, that's, especially if it's a nugget, that usually means that the auger is off base. Um, so usually if it starts making a really bad noise, it's better to turn it off and leave it and then just, you know, call service and get somebody out there to take a look at it. Um, it's, it's, uh, they're pretty finicky ice machines are, everything has to be kind of just, just right for them to function properly. And, uh, I think a lot of it, a lot of it stems from the lack of knowledge on, on filtration and cleaning. Um, if something hasn't been cleaned and actually that's another big thing, if a machine stops working, it's usually advised to just give it a clean anyways, just to make sure there might be something clogged up in one of the water lines or. Um, you know, something like that, or if the, you know, the fan is covered in dust, because I know there's some places where they'll have really, really dusty, um, you know, a dusty environment and it'll clog up the air filter and stuff. So that, that can all be um, pretty much uh, contributing to if the machine just randomly stops working. Uh, so clean, cleanliness is really important because if it's totally clean and then it's still not working, then most of the time a technician will know, okay, I need to look at X, Y, or Z and figure out what's going on. So all right. So some of the other things, maybe like it won't fill, we detect about as probably water filter, mm -hmm. uh, but what about if it won't dump ice? If it won't dump ice, it can be, it can be a whole range of things. Um, a lot of the times it'll usually be that there's a sensor that's not working properly. Um, I know a lot of ice machines work on conductivity. So, uh, for example, on the, uh, like, uh, on a cuber, there'll be a, uh, kind of a small sensor that just, uh, senses conductivity. So once the ice starts forming on the evaporator and it gets big enough to just make contact with that little piece of metal, it knows to just enter the harvest cycle is what they call it, where it'll kind of heat the evaporator up just a little bit to get the ice a little melted and then it'll drop into the bin. Um, so it could be any one of the sensors. It could be, um, you know, the, the connection to the board, uh, sometimes the board is even bad. Um, 
it could be any of those things, but usually like since most manufacturers have a five to I think five year warranty is standard on all parts. Uh, seven years is pretty much standard for refrigeration. Um, if your machine isn't getting cold at all anywhere, so you can't feel any hot air coming out, you can't really feel any cold inside the bin or near the evaporator, then that usually means it's a refrigerant issue, um, which means either like the compressor or the evaporator, or even there might be a slow leak in the refrigerant line. Um, in that case, then usually a refrigeration technician is, is definitely needed to, to diagnose and, and get the machine back up and running. Um, there's, uh, let me see, there's a couple other things I know, and, and I'm more familiar with Scotsman more than any other, any other brand, just because it's the one that I've been selling for the last uh, seven years. But um, I know that one of the other things too, the way that Scotsman's um, ice drops um, on cubers is there'll be like a plastic curtain that has a magnet switch that's on one side. And as that ice fills up in the bin, it basically physically keeps that curtain open. So once the bin is full, it keeps that curtain from closing and then it'll cause the machine to stop making ice. And then as soon as you start using it and the ice you know, is no longer at that level, that curtain will close and then that magnet will trip and it'll start making a nice, or an ice cycle. So every once in a while it'll happen. Um, we've seen it before where a couple pieces of ice might get caught in just the right spot to keep that from closing. And then it'll stop making ice. So that's something definitely to check uh, if you have uh, at least a Scotsman this, that's I'm familiar with. Um, I'm, I think Manitowoc, which is another really, really big. Um, they're actually the biggest in the United States is Manitowoc. Uh, their machines, I think, work similarly um, with, the, with that curtain switch. But um, yeah, so basically those are a couple of things to check. But usually if, if you're not getting anything cold, um, and the filter looks good and everything looks good and the machine is level and clean, uh, usually it's going to be a refrigeration or a component issue, which usually should be looked at by either your in-house maintenance or somebody who's familiar um, with the machines. All right, Paul, have you heard any other horror stories from athletic trainers about ice machines not working or flooding or anything crazy like that? Uh, yeah, you know, um, a lot of the horror stories that I hear are surrounded by basically choosing the wrong ice machine for the space. And so uh, one example I might give is uh, Purdue University in Fort Wayne. Uh, I would go into their athletic training room and it'd always be 95 degrees. It didn't matter what time of year it was. It was, you know, it was a basement athletic training room. So there was no ventilation and it was always 95 degrees. And I was in there one day and they had a bunch of guys in there working on the air conditioning and it, and I said to the athletic trainer, Dan, that, uh, hey, you know, you know what your problem is, it's that ice machine. You got a gigantic, like, I don't know, 900 pound ice machine that's air cooled running there. Um, and it's just venting into the space. And so we uh, we quoted him on, you know, uh, a water cooled machine. He raised the funds for it and we got a place. Well, about four years later, Dan was gone. He was no longer the head athletic trainer. And I got a call from Purdue Fort Wayne. And they wanted to replace that with a water with an air cooled machine because of you know sustainability reasons, and we had to kind of go through that whole process of why we put a water cooled machine in there to begin with, and you know what uh, once we got the water cooled machine in there, then you know it was like 74, 75 degrees in there with low humidity and not noisy and all that. So um, in my experience, like the horror stories are when someone's kind of chose the wrong uh, ice machine for the space and obviously you know, one of the worst stories is <laughs> every time someone leaves the uh, ice scoop in the bottom of the bin you know i hear about that too but i don't have a solution for that one unfortunately <laughs> a second ice scoop i guess but um yeah it, it, most of my horror stories re 
uh, revolve around that long machine for the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, kind of to add to that too, it's you can't really fit you know a, a square peg through a round hole. Um, sometimes people will try to do things that just don't really work very well. So, for example, uh, you, you mentioned flooding. Actually, that's a that's a big one. There was a um, I think it was a it was a doctor's office that we were working with a while back, and they they didn't have a floor drain in the space that they wanted to put this ice machine. And there are some ice machines that have uh, pumps that will take all the excess water out um, and and put it into a uh, into a wall or like a wall connection. But for the most part, if if it's a commercial machine, you really need a floor drain. Uh, it needs to all be properly plumbed. And uh, what they really wanted to do was they they just wanted to use uh, like condensate pumps, like one of those little giant pumps. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, and what the problem with that is, and a lot of manufacturers will try to poo poo that idea, because if that pump decides to fail, then that machine has nowhere to send the water to and eventually you'll get flooding. So they had, I think, I think they had two or three nugget machines that were in there and those don't usually have too much runoff, but um, <laughs> there's enough when you have a couple of machines that basically the, the whole room flooded, like they, they had water everywhere um, because they tried to use one of those. And, and the manufacturer always recommends against that most of the time, um, always make sure that everything is properly installed and in the proper space, because that's how you end up with the horror stories really um, is what it comes down to a lot. Uh, Jake, what's going to be the best way to get a hold of you, Paul? I'm going to ask you the same question. We have our website. It's uh, www.stiefelrep.com, and that's S-T-I-E-F-E-L-R-E-P.com. Um, it basically, it just uh, we're uh, we're food service equipment primarily, but uh, MyoGuard is one of our uh, one of our um, athletic uh, accounts that we we do uh, you know the athletic application with and ice machines. So. Um, that's usually the best way. Um, all of our contact info is on there. So if you got any questions about ice machines or anything, I can, I could go way more in depth about them than, than we did today, but, um, I wouldn't really want to, you know, give you guys like a, a full on technical, <laughs> uh, analysis of every component inside of an ice machine. So, yeah. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can uh, find our website at www.myoguard.com. We do have a brand new website launching there. Uh, at that URL within the next week or so. So I'd, I'd look for that. Um, and of course, you can reach me at paul.calloway at myoguard.com. And be happy to quote you on ice machines or any of the uh, athletic training supplies and equipment that you might need. Yep. All right. And so Paul is actually going to be sending out some prizes to those people who uh, gave us comments, stories, or mm -hmm parts of the story so if you got some more then maybe you can hit paul up on twitter and maybe he'll send you something as well some myoguard branded ice bags or flex wrap or uh, something like that so i'm jeremy jackson this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ice machine for jake paul sports medicine broadcast that is a wrap thanks thank, thank you, you. Appreciate right, it. thanks guys